Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I'm Trevin Stolzfus, and I'm sitting here with Dustin Etheridge. Dustin, you and I shared an experience. This was before the podcast even existed, and we shared an experience that I don't know, unless we go back, that we can come to anything close to what we expected and what it actually was as hunting muskox in the Arctic Circle of Greenland. Yeah. It that, was unbelievable. It was incredible. I'd go back tomorrow if I got invite. Yeah. And we got to go, you know, a lot of people go, uh, you'll see them go like in August. Um, and it's uh, that small period when everything's kind of thawed out and there's actually some greenery growing and stuff like that. But we went in March. Yep. And it was, what, like a, a high of five degrees and a low of minus 30, I think? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a... Nice and cool. <laughs> I remember that was our first trip wearing Sitka. And yeah, the full on. We 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 called him and said, "Hey, here's what we want. I'm not sure what I need, but I don't want to be cold." Yeah, the whole blizzard series or whatever that is. Yeah, it worked, but yeah. I mean, still got cold at times. But yeah, yeah, but it it was it was interesting. Chris Muller, who I know from. Uh, my 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 day job, if you want to say that, through Hunter Engineering, um, he's a rep for uh, for them. But he also owns uh, an outdoor adventure. Uh, no, uh, I always get this screwed up. It is O A S, so that'd be outdoor adventure Special. specialties. Yeah, sorry, I always want to say adventure outdoor. Sorry, Chris. Um, I actually know what it is, but he basically um, connects adventures for people with different proven and trusted guides and he called me and he said hey i've got this hunt it is a i think it'll be amazing to film um would you be willing you know or would you be interested in filming it and when we, i think you were the first you were when you heard about it, you're like i'm there oh yeah yeah i'm going like first dibs yeah and so it was uh we, were, we had to fly to from denver we flew to newark uh, New Jersey. Then we jumped on a plane. Did we spend the night in Newark? Anyway, it w I just remember the travel. The travel was, was long. Yeah, it was. <laughs> if the travel was shorter, I'd do that every year. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. fly over your destination. Yeah, we flew to New York, and then we went to Copenhagen. Which and and as we flew, I believe we were watching the map on the yeah, plane. Yeah, we flew over. We flew over where we were going to be hunting. Yeah. And so, then we had to stay a night in Copenhagen, and then the next day we caught a flight to Greenland. Back to Greenland. Yeah. So w the crazy, it was eight hours from Newark to Copenhagen, but if we would have flown direct, it would have been four hours. So yeah. we literally flew twice as far, and then half as far back. Um, and I remember landing in, um, I can't even say the name of the town that we landed in. It's, Kingler Rusker or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it has a ton of consonants in a row. And... Um, and it's an old military base. Yeah. It was pretty cool. We came, we flew in, and I just remember, of course, it's it's all white. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was pretty exciting. We were a day and a half of travel. So we're already, you're ready to get off the darn plane. Yeah, and from my understanding, that the old Army base, that's the only inland airport, correct? I think everything else is coastal, and that's like the most stable airport to get in and out of, at least major for the big, big right. airlines, but... And a lot of people would fly into there and then take small, kind of like you would in Alaska, take like yeah. puddle jumpers somewhere else. But we were, we were actually picked up there in uh, Karsten, 
Ling, who actually was our was the guide that Chris and 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 Chris, it was Chris was with us. You, uh, me, there was Ashley, Phil, Dawn. Um, that was our crew, and we were all together. Mm-hmm. I think we met up in Newark and then flew out to Copenhagen together. Yep. And uh, uh, you know, we you can talk about the travel, but to me, Greenland when we flew into Greenland. It was the beginning of almost an epic type of you. You expected to hear um, really dramatic music playing in the background because yeah. as you as you landed, it was just it was a scene from uh, Star Wars. Yeah, there. I remember coming in. Um, from my memory, it was cloudy, and then we kind of dropped through, and all of a sudden you could see the ground and everything, but it was just white. Right. And then this little airstrip and old military barracks basically is right. what the town consisted of i mean the grocery store that we stopped and got supplies at was an old military style square building nothing yep. special yep 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 and then karsten picked us up i think it was nick and nick and karsten nick is uh, was one of the inuit guides along with nuka mm-hmm. and nick spoke english yeah nuka didn't no but nuka had just gotten back i think two weeks prior killing a polar bear yeah, they were like down there doing well hunting, and then they killed a polar bear too. Part of the stuff that they could do. Yeah, but. and and uh, so that was. I mean, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Talk talking about going back years and years yeah. and years. It's like a step back in time. We loaded up everything in uh, some Land Cruisers, mm-hmm. and off we head. And I remember we were on what what we would assume would be just a, a you know a snow covered road, and then all of a sudden it got smooth. It got smooth and. <laughs> opened up and i i asked i think i asked karsten or someone I said are, yeah. are we on a are we on a lake or no. he goes no no we're, we're on the ocean he actually there was a big bay he drove out on the ice mm-hmm. and i think what well, he said it was like four to five foot of ice at that time yeah i don't know i know when he said no we're just we're on the ocean i'm like oh, okay yeah that was that was unique and and he drove around on the ocean around to a inlet where a river went into a lake Mm -hmm. and we drove in the river followed the river up yep and um and it was a two-hour drive yeah i mean i I bet you could do it pretty quick we stopped a lot because once we got in the car it was we were hunting yes hunt mode basically at that point because i I think how's it work there they have not concessions but he has territories that he can hunt right and I think from when we started, we were it was game on. We and what we were looking for because uh, you could pretty much. I don't remember getting a license. We 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 basically could hunt as long as we were with him. Yeah. Um. Uh, the Arctic hare, Arctic fox, ptarmigan, mm-hmm. muskox, of course, and then was that it? Maybe that was it. I know that that was it for us. I know he does caribou and stuff during right, the during spring. The, no, during or, the, the fall. Yeah, during the fall in that August time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I think we stopped two or three times, and I think somebody shot a Arctic hare, and somebody shot a ptarmigan, or shot at a ptarmigan. I don't know if we killed one the first day. No, but it was kind of funny because after we killed that, uh, I think, I think it was Don. I can't remember if it was Don or if it was Phil that killed the first Arctic hare. And Nick was carrying it back. How big it was! Yeah, they were big. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in New Mexico that we have jackrabbits. Yep. And jackrabbits get pretty big. 
and these dwarfed the jackrabbits I knew I grew up you know in in southern New Mexico you grew saw them in West Texas yep um, and uh, and they were pure white gorgeous gorgeous so I just remember thinking okay this is going to be interesting and I didn't feel like it was that cold at that time um, no no I was wearing <clears throat> pants I do just, remember that because <laughs> we we're on an airplane we're not going to wear all that and I remember we landed, and then when we got out, we were at Nick's house or something, getting a few supplies, and that's when I started getting cold. But we were still like in our travel clothes. We right. had, I probably had blue jeans on, just boots, and right. I remember putting some stuff on, but it, yeah, we I w- threw our jackets on. I remember that yeah. we threw our jackets on, um, our heavier jackets, and so we were in 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 denim, you know, jeans, yeah. and then in our jackets. But we were also in the truck with the heater running too. Yeah. But we were still, it was starting to get cold because people were getting in and out, in and out. And uh, I just remember about halfway there, off in the distance, there's this uh, snowmobile pulling uh, like a like a sled behind mm-hmm. it with a bunch of supplies. And it, that was that was the first time we met Nuka. Yeah. We look over there, and all of a sudden, here comes this. In our eyes, he drew the short straw, but he's probably fine with it. But oh, yeah. we're all in vehicles, and there he goes bombing across the Arctic in a snowmobile with uh, a sled. But. Yeah. And, of course, we're asking, I'm sure Karsten was just, I mean, he probably get, is used to it, but we were asking question after question oh, yeah. after question after question about the, you know, the the conservation that they do dealing with muskox and how do you manage populations and how do you get a tag and who gets to shoot what and he was explaining how the locals still depend on the muskox as a primary source of not just meat but hides and i mean everything everything i don't think they waste any of it i i brought back a a nice little skull cap or a little beanie for avery Mm -hmm. my daughter uh, at a muskox wool yep and it is it is the warmest thing that you can imagine and uh um but anyway so one of the other things i asked was i think when we saw nuka is kind of he looked like he was wearing almost like shaps but they were actually pants and um and carson said they were seal pants yeah which you and i couldn't go to the, and buy seal pants and bring them back into the yeah, states legal to bring them back <laughs> but he said they're so warm he said the only thing warmer was polar bear yeah isn't that what he told us yeah they, he said something like he was telling us about he has to make some tracks across the east going to the east side and they just take snowmobiles and just like when they get tired they lay on the ice and go and just go to sleep right there but and he said he'd be fine in a polar bear jacket or in seal pants or something like that right and they just literally lay down minus whatever degrees yeah. and take a little nap <laughs> take a little nap and then they'd keep going and that's tough i mean those carson well was, you see like is it the nuke on the snowmobile i mean he didn't wear a face mask half right. the time and if right. our <laughs> our little pure skin touched the cold like that driving on that it's like instant frostbite right we were covered when we when we did go out finally it was we were making sure we were covered because we would have got frostbite yeah i wonder if their skin just I, I i literally wonder if it's just something they your your skin can get used to yeah i think uh, yeah i think because, the environment yeah, hardens you, it yeah <laughs> yeah but so we got to camp and I, and camp was well set the scene of camp well when you come up i remember kind of coming up the hill a little bit we're going up what is a creek or um a river out of a lake and we get up come around the corner and where this lake would be it's frozen of course and uh 
there's a little bitty shack. I mean, little bitty. And you walk in, uh, there's a table, there's a sink, there's a stove, and then there's basically like two little closets on the left and right hand side. And in each one of those closets, there's two sets of bunk beds. And they're not bunk beds. I mean, they're just, I don't know, a foot, two foot wide, just made out of two by fours, just bunk beds. Our sleeping bags basically... And we were both had mummy bags, mm-hmm. and our sleeping bags hung off the. I mean, I, yeah. you you couldn't roll over; you'd have fallen out. Yeah, yeah, no. And then when you get out and you got to get dressed, you're like on top of each other. Most of the time, I think I'd even step out into the other room to get ready, just because it's so small. Um, but they gave us that, and then the the guide and his his two. I don't know what you helpers the other guides but right, yeah. they slept in a tent outside and it was like an old army green yeah. canvas tent on cots mm-hmm. outside they didn't have a heater out there nope and i'm uh, the one thing i do remember uh, about the the cabin was how hot it was because they had to remember that little oil heater mm-hmm. and they had that thing burning all the time and there was a, the first night I slept on top of my sleeping bag and the second night I cracked the window just a little bit because I was just I couldn't sleep it was so hot yeah and it was you had to like it was a trick to get when you woke up when it's time to go hunting you I didn't get dressed until the absolute last second and I was trying to get dressed as I was walking outside because if you got dressed in your full arctic wear you're sweating right and then you're freezing your butt off outside right, right. I remember going out and putting my bibs on and my jacket and putting my boots on. And then once I was dressed, I'm like, I'm not going back in there. <laughs> you can't because you would you'd burn up. Yeah. It was one of those things. Our travel, the extent of our travel was actually longer than the extent of our hunt. Mm-hmm. We hunted for three days and we traveled for four. Yep. Well, but, and then me and you had a... Well, we had... We, we had got a, stuck on the way home yeah. an extra night. Right. But yeah, it was the travel... I, and I don't know, at the time, I think Carson was telling us it was that Denmark works with Greenland and they that's why the flights have to go through Denmark or something. They, you can't just get a flight. Yeah, Denmark, There's no options. Only Greenland all, is a province of Denmark. Yeah, and that's, or a state they do or something or, that yeah. way, you're funneling people through them. Because I know the other option was to go to um, Iceland and you would fly from the U.S. to Iceland, but you still had an overnight stay in Iceland. In Iceland before mm-hmm. you come back over. So there was, it's weird that there was no direct shots, but. Yeah. Well, when we got there, it was cool. We kind of got a, a sense. I know that you and I jumped in with Karsten and kind of went tootling around just mm-hmm. looking. Um, and we were, we, there was one other guy in camp and um, he was from Germany. Oh yeah. And I cannot remember his name for the life of me. Mm. Um, but, but he spoke enough English to, to get by, um, you know, to, to communicate. He kind of kept to himself. Nice guy, though. Um, so it was interesting because here we are. Um, I was, me and probably Nick were the smallest of everybody. Everybody else was pretty large men. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of stuck in this uh, in this shack. Yeah. Um, but we didn't stay there. I mean, it wasn't like you hung out there. The only time we were there was in the evening. The first morning... Uh, this is probably the thing that impresses upon me my memory of what it was the first time in the Arctic of Greenland was the the sled ride out there and 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 just the awe 
inspiring beauty of that cold, rugged country. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, I think the first time getting out that morning and the machines all going and like the excitement of getting on there and then just going around the corner and the world just opening up. It's pretty cool. I mean, I do remember that thing in the sleds are like going to be really fun. Like that morning, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is great for camera stuff. This is going to be great. And then 20 minutes in, you're like, no. It, it, those it, sleds are they're awesome at the same time, but they will beat you to pieces. You just it's it's you get home and you feel like you were in a car crash. Yeah, you know every day when we get home we ached because of the jostle and the. It was unique though when you looked at the sleds and for for your listeners I want to try and paint a picture. You guys know what a snowmobile is, so imagine a snowmobile hooked up to a pallet. Yeah. Okay, with skids on it. A pallet with skids. But then on top of there, there was a little box built in yeah it's just a plywood box it's just to shield you from just to shield you from the wind up to about your chest Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) two chairs and i not on our sled but on ashley and phil's sled i think they were like boat seats from like a almost like a fishing boat it was homemade boat seats with like some springs Mm -hmm. like almost like a buckboard or something right (laughs) and you got in there and and you literally just it's not like you're holding on but it's like almost a roller coaster where you lean you know when to lean um and and of course you are in this box so you're not going to fall out um but there was not one screw one nail nothing this this whole thing is held together with twine we were looking at i know you took a bunch of pictures of it it has mainly rope of some type some type of nylon something that wouldn't expand and contract in the extreme colds yeah you know because a metal nail or a metal screw would just snap yeah with with that force way too much stress on those on the sleds for sure so there we go with that the low rumble of the sled the, the 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 swoosh or the uh, you know the 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 actual noise the, of the sled on the ice and um we're looking we were karsten was driving the snowmobile we were behind and he's got this big rifle strung across his back it was like a scene out of uh what is it the return of the jedi yeah uh, the planet hoth yep i mean that's what it felt like like you were gonna go shoot some animal carve open its stomach and crawl inside to stay alive yeah i mean it's all white unless there was enough of an incline where snow wouldn't collect or ice it, you could see rock but it was like it's this is all white and i was i was blown away by the topography because i had always seen muskox shows or or things like and it's this big snowy flat right yeah that was and the biggest shock to me but there was cliffs it was yeah. The topography was nothing like I pictured. I was expecting this tundra, this real flat openness, maybe some rolls, and we were in some deep canyons, deep mountain valleys that had a bunch of frozen lakes and rivers on it. Right. I mean, we, and, and then then you'd you'd be on that bottom, and then the next thing you know, you're climbing up some little cut to get up on this next bench, and. It was, yeah, it yeah, was Yeah, those muskox climbed that mountain like it was nothing, too. I mean, they would just, if they'd hear us or see us and they didn't want to be around, they'd go straight up. Yeah. I mean, stuff that I wouldn't try to go after. Like them. a sh- More like a sheep than a, yeah. a bovine. Um, and it w- as we talked to Karsten Moore, come to find out, muskox are more more closely related to 
a mountain goat than they are a moo cow. Yeah. Which was interesting. Makes sense. Um, and, and so it was a, it was definitely a different feel, a different, uh, much harder hunt physically than what I ass- assumed because, uh, when we finally went on our stock, we worked around those those muskox for two hours, maybe. Yeah, that was. I think that was the kind of the challenging thing. It, the spot the guys, it wasn't hard. You can see big old brown blobs on the white, but it was the approach and getting in, and then finding terrain that we could navigate through. I mean, I know that first stock, you're walking and you're half the size of me. <laughs> And you're just like gracefully over the top of the ice and snow, and I'm post holing. Oh, the that's whole, right. The and whole you, time. you're breathing and I'm dying and you're just. And I'm just, I was light enough that I didn't break through the crust. You wouldn't break, but man, I would just boom, boom, <laughs> post yeah. hole the whole way. But yeah, it was, and you get up, just play. I mean, luckily there was a lot of topography to play with, get in on close to these guys. And, you know, I don't. We kind of like let everyone else go first, more or less. I mean, we just, not that it was a spoken thing. I mean, you were just like, we were just taking it in. You were taking pictures. I was taking pictures. We were just filming and having a good time. And so I remember who who was the first one? That, Don. Don. Remember? Because we all stopped and we saw that, I think, group of four muskox. Yeah, up on the hillside there. And we were looking, and two of them are really good. One's really good, or mm-hmm. we thought was really good. Of course, what do we know? But even Carson said, yes, that one's a good bull. And so we ended up, and I don't know how it happened, but I think Don was the oldest in camp maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And and so Don basically got volunteered to go first, and he's looking at him, and he's like, yeah, that's great. So we got to kind of set up and watch the whole show unfold. And we had a front, it was perfect. Right. You can see everything. And we're sitting there, and we're commentating and, and talking to each other. And I, th- I even remember I was looking at the footage the other day, and, and we're sitting there and going, why doesn't he just shoot it? Well, they were working up to get within range. Mm-hmm. Nuka and Don cut off, and, and there they go. And so we're filming them a little bit. And then we're looking at the musk ox, and they're banging heads. And they're, they're just – they look like, like a – a woolly mammoth almost because mm-hmm. you know, the long flowing hair it was just amazing we were sitting there in awe is what we were and we we're running camera and then i remember they pop up over and they're within 200 yards maybe even closer mm-hmm. and i know somebody i think chris goes oh a muskox is gonna die and then so we got to sit up and sure enough sir he gets set up and boom yep. boom and he's shooting with a i don't remember what rifle he was shooting with but um, it's. I think he ended up shooting it three times. They're tough. Yeah, they're tough critters, and um, and then of course the others kind of hung around a little bit as they. And I knew that I had heard this from other people that they will kind of when they have a wounded one they'll kind of. Uh, yeah, they kind of surround them, kind of. Their their defense is to, to huddle up. Right, and you see that with other groups that we saw during the trip. Yeah. The, they, their defense was to put their butts to each other and. They're better off fighting off things as a group than as a, a single. Right. So we go. I think we, we made our way up there. They dragged it down, and we got to kind of congratulate Don, stuff like that. And then that's when we split yeah, we from took the off. party. Yeah. And uh, and off we went. And That was a 
that's the one we made that long trek that day. We went all the way to the ice caps. Yes. I mean, deep, deep into there. It's basically right. as far as you could go before right. you hit the, the ice caps. Right, right, right. And we, I mean, we got up there and I think, you know, we got a couple hairs, I think, and that one little, I remember going up kind of towards those ice caps and, and, and they shot a couple hairs. Uh-huh. And then the foxes, was that that same? No, that wasn't that same day. That was uh, the third day, I think. Phil didn't, Phil, even though we we kind of divided up and we were kind of going up, let's let's say the left side of this big valley and Phil and Ashley were on the, and I think that's when Ashley shot his, oh, his yeah. muskox. Yeah. We, did, we weren't there with him. We didn't film it, but we, through binoculars, we could see them. Yep. And then we heard of the faint rifle report. And um, so that yeah. was, yeah. But no, we went all back in there. And I know that's the, the some of my favorite photos I have are from, that's mine of your first stock that we went stomping up the mountain and trying to cut some off. And then we kind of got up some elevation and look back and you just look down this valley of just it's just open yeah and and we we were up high enough it just looks like you're at the edge of the world yeah yeah it was it was amazing i remember popping up over that rise and the muskox were 60 yards away from us standing there looking at us remember and then they turned and took off and everybody says you know at muskox you just walk up and shoot one that, we didn't find that to be true. No, no. Uh, you know, with a rifle, I think it's it's the hunt, it's the destination, not necessarily the toughness of the hunt. But with a bow, it was definitely different. Yeah, different. And that's when we pulled out that Montana, that custom Montana decoy that we had made, which was a, it was a muskox. It was huge. And you actually stayed back. And remember, I moved in on those cows and that mm-hmm. young bull. There's probably twelve or thirteen of them. And I just wanted to see how close I could get. I wasn't going to shoot any of them. And I got to within twenty-two yards. And they kind of all just kind of looked at me and stuff like that. And then finally, they kind of. Yeah, they didn't know what the heck you were. Yeah. I think that thing would have worked really well. It, we lost it somewhere along the journey. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, and I was, uh, I brought it to leave with Karsten. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I know we, even Chris came with us and we made a stock behind it mm-hmm. where I was running camera. He had the bow and I, he was with Karsten with the decoy. You were with them. And yeah. then I was a little further back videoing you. And I remember I got it looked like you guys were a lot closer because of yeah. the, the depth perception of the camera is deceiving when you get far away. The muskox didn't look very far. but Well, and the joy of having a cameraman that I got a little separated from them with the decoy and we put some space in between me and them and then all of a sudden I stood out because I went yeah. behind the big muskox decoy. Yeah. Yeah. They, Chris and they learned quickly, I think, that having me on their tail doesn't, always help situations well you just can't move fast yeah and there's i'm trying to film things and i yeah. stop and get shots and mm-hmm. then there i am standing in the open scaring animals but people don't realize the difference of doing that can you imagine having us just done that without a camera number one i would have been disappointed in myself because of what we have to look at now as a memory is so awesome because of the cameras but it would have been so much easier yeah you know and not to mention, and we haven't even said a thing about this, conditioning the cameras that we had to do every day. Because oh, if yeah. you take a camera from, what was it, 60, 70, 80 degrees in that cabin yeah. to minus 30 without the conditioning, uh, we didn't know that. 
Well, no, actually, you had talked to uh, Latantris. Yeah, yeah Latantris. Jake about that, and he had warned you about that. Hadn't yeah. He? Yeah. No, that's yeah. That became a. I had an indoor and because I I wanted to document inside, take pictures, of, you know, hanging out and all that. And I ended up. I think we brought three bodies, and I ended up leaving one inside basically, and it was my indoor. And they just stayed in there. And then they had like a, kind of, uh, it's not a mud room, but a little shack off to the side that they would store some stuff. Um, and I'd keep my other cameras in there at night or keep some of the stuff. And then so, so that it what it didn't get completely conditioned to inside. Yeah. Because if I went from inside to outside immediately or the other way around, it would either freeze up or fog up or, right. and it was, it was a, a task. I mean, you would you you wouldn't think the moisture would be that big of a deal, but it is because of how cold it is. Yeah, and I mean, and just that cold too beats your batteries up, beats everything up. I remember me and you both, we'd stick batteries as deep down in all our layers as we Close could to the skin. Yeah. yeah, and we'd pull out double A's or or camera batteries or whatever, and they would be somewhere buried, and you just had to keep them warm just to keep them going. Yeah. Um, the cameras did surprisingly pretty well once I figured out what not to do, um, but. You know, they, it was cold. They'd get cold, and, and the, the performance for sure wasn't there in the battery life, but it wasn't nearly as bad. I mean, I've seen worse set in whitetail in the tree stands, whitetail. That's true. The, you know, they die quickly, but no, and that was that. That's the one, that's the first, that's really the only time I got cold, that tr- that first trip that we went way back in there. Because um, we came out at dark, and we had a long way to go. That's uh, I remember like my toes starting to feel cold, and that's 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 the true day I was like really cold. Um, but it was dark, but it was weird. It's one of those mixed feelings because that's the first night too that the first night there we saw the northern lights, and I remember driving or riding in the sled, thinking about my toes are gonna fall off, <laughs> but then looking up and be like, thinking I'm seeing them, I'm like playing tricks on me. I'm like, I don't know if that's him. And I remember trying to get your attention, but you were like head down just in a huddle, just mm-hmm. trying to stay warm. And you'd look up. And and then once we finally got to camp, I remember getting out and they were going off. And I was all I wanted to do was warm up in the, on the sled, but then I just stood out there for a while and watched right. it. And it was, you couldn't really even imagine what it was like when we first started seeing it and then all of a sudden, it's like someone even flipped on the switch even brighter. Yeah. And then it just exploded. Yeah, the first few I saw were just a few yeah, belts that were, were real faint. And I'm like, right. are my goggles foggy or is that like a shade of color I'm seeing? I couldn't tell because it was dark and it was freezing. And then I thought I started again. And then when we stopped, it really didn't just start, it just lit up the sky. Right. Yeah. It was, that was, that was, a, that was just. Remember, like nothing we'd ever seen. Yeah, I remember standing out there and getting time lapses and taking pictures. And I mean, if I had, if I could, I would have stayed out there all night and watched it. But there's a point where I was I was turning into a popsicle, and that was one of the colder nights that we had too. Um, but no, I think we ended up seeing them twice that trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'd go inside, and Karsten, the one thing that Karsten didn't mess around with was food oh goodness we ate yeah. we ate a seafood like soup stew type thing and normally you're not a fish guy no that was good yeah and it was phenomenal and then we had muskox muskox steaks yeah. and i'm telling you what it was 
every bit as good as the T-bone. Well, because he was a fisherman, right? And the, right. he told us that as a fisherman up there, he, your first job is a cook. And if you can't make the guys happy and you can't cook good food, they'll fire you. And then you earn your spot on a boat, basically, as you come back in. And that's everything he cooked was amazing. Right. Unbelievable. Well, he did. He made the joke of, well, these are the only three things I can cook. Yeah. But they were three that's really fun. good. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, it was it was interesting to get back and then compare notes with everybody of what they saw and what they thought. And, and I think everybody kind of had a bucket list, you know, like, uh, I know Don wanted to kill a ptarmigan, wanted to kill, a, of course, a muskox, wanted to kill a, 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 a Arctic hare and, um, and then an Arctic fox. And, um, and the Arctic fox to me were so unique because they were so small. Yeah. They were little, they were like a small dog. They weren't like a fox, like a gray fox or a red fox. Like you think of. Yeah. And, uh, but they were gray and they were pure white. So there was two color phases. I don't know if that's the right terminology, yeah. but. That's the the first two we saw. I mean, we sat one night and tried to like wait some out. Remember that? Oh, that's right. We didn't see anything. We just <laughs> got cold. But um, those two that we saw on the rocks that day, I, that's the first time we saw them. And I was, I was trying to find big critters, big fox. Right. Nor, nor fox we're used to seeing. Right. Then I remember seeing it running across the rocks. I'm like, that thing is the size of a rabbit. <laughs> right. Or uh, the rabbit, the Arctic hares there yeah. were bigger. Yeah. yeah. Much bigger. So um, I asked Carson, I said, do the, the fox prey on the Arctic hare? He goes, no, they're too big. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, we uh, the second day, we ended up going out, and that's when I got my muskox. And um, that was an interesting because we, we, we went on a pretty good stock on that day yeah. and ended up getting around them. And they actually, um, I don't know how far we tracked them, but it got to a point to where we were so far from the snowmobiles that uh, Karsten ended up leaving us as we kept moving in on them because he was going to circle back around mm -hmm. and uh, grab the snowmobile and come around. And when we ended, when I ended up shooting mine, I remember you and I were standing next to each other, mm -hmm. and I, they had turned and squared on us, and they were close. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was not like, oh, am I going to do this? And I, I, I had a couple things going through my mind. Jake told us that don't aim, you know, aim a little higher than what you would normally aim. Yeah, he said, you know, he'd been on the hunt, he'd seen hunters shoot high or low be too low so he said aim a little high so that was going through my head the second thing was i wanted one of the muskox that was in this group of i think was it three or four yeah something like that. And it, it, it might have been three and i wanted this one and i was and i but he wasn't giving me a shot and i remember saying well i'll just take this one and you said no take the one you want yeah you were the one you wanted was like facing you dead on and then there's one next to it that was broadsided. And, and I like, said, no, I'll just shoot that I'm like, one. No, shoot. We came this far. Shoot the one you want. <laughs> so what was interesting, though, is you you finally just stayed. I just you did. said, I'm just going to stay there. They're, they're not going. And I backed up and kind of moved around and then popped back up over because we were kind of on a little bench. And mm -hmm. I came back up over, and that put me broadside to the one I wanted. Yeah, that's when when, I, when we had the discussion about shoot the one you want. You 
kind of backed off and went around and i just stood there mm-hmm. i'm six two in the middle of frozen arctic land and snow and i got a camera on a tripod and i had them on camera i'm like i'm not moving so, well and then and then i shoot and i'm high i yeah. mean I aimed high and I shot too high and I don't care what Jake says. I love Jake, but I should have been I shouldn't have aimed high. I should have aimed where I th- thought. Yeah. But, you know, so I I do hit high. It's probably high uh high lungs. Mm-hmm. But they take off. And now, and they don't go far. And so we end up moving around to get back on them and I'm going to try another shot. And I remember a couple of times I was at full draw to try and put another shot in and then they'd circle up and then it, and it was, I was just getting a clean shot. I just wanted another clean shot. Yeah. And so finally the, the, the muskox goes down. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> you tell the story because, because well, you, you, I mean, to me, I was adrenaline packed. I'm just trying to right now. I don't even think we're filming this. I think we're just trying to get filming. another arrow. Cause I kind of got left. Cause you went after that, that next shot. You, kinda, Oh, that's right. I kind of booked it. Yeah. And I was already kind of a ways from you when you took your first shot and then you went over hill and it, I didn't want to push anything. So I remember kind of slowing down, but yeah, I ca- finally caught up to you and the muskox was laying down and you, uh, you knocked an arrow you're walking up and did he stand up fully no uh no no what happened was i didn't know this but i must have somehow got some moisture on my on my release and i knocked it knocked an arrow hooked it what i thought was on the string right i hooked Mm -hmm. it on the string the problem was it was frozen it wasn't locked out my my release wasn't locked out it was like halfway but it didn't like you know normally it would the hinge would either lock out or come and you could tell it wasn't it was frozen solid so i hooked on thinking it was locked and i went to (laughs) go full draw and get to about a quarter of my draw, and of course it breaks free, and my arrow, like a cartoon character, goes about ten yards into the snow. Yep. And <laughs> and so you're laughing. I'm laughing. And so I'm like, "Dead gummit," and it's just right there. And the, that's what. Yeah. And so I go to pick it up. I take like two steps and I'm going to reach down and pick up the arrow and I'm going to shoot him again just to put him out of his misery. Mm -hmm. And he stands up and now he's not 10, 12 yards from me and he's huffing and standing up. And so I go to start backpedaling and I fall like the, like the fat kid in the horror movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I'm backpedaling and I end up on my back and, yeah, and Carson's like two hills over because he finally caught up with us and he's watching us. You put and the finishing I, arrow in, and I look back and he's crying, laughing because oh, yeah. of the. Yeah. the so the I'm trying to scramble back, and, and 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 the muskox isn't coming after me. No, it, he stood up, and I think by the time you fell, he already went back down. Yeah. I think he went down for the count at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, but no, it was just kind of. Yeah, I remember that now. You walked up and you were gonna came to you're gonna come to full draw and just put another arrow. On. I mean, he was probably within seconds of being done, anyways, but. You came to full draw and pew, just went like two, three feet. <laughs> yeah, it, it literally like it was a, a little kid like with a, a suction, yeah, suction bow cup. and arrow. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. And of course, we don't have it on camera, but we have it in our minds to, to laugh at. I, 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 that, and it was, that was, 
later in the afternoon and i remember we wanted to take some pictures and we did take some pictures but you're you were even saying man it's it's getting dark we're losing it we're losing we're losing light and of course uh, god bless car uh, karsten he wants to get it back and get it skinned out yeah because if you leave it overnight i mean it's, it's not gonna the meat's not gonna spoil but the hide freezes and it makes it so much harder to skin the animals out yeah. and i I just begged him. I said, look, we got to have good pictures. I said, I know. He said, well, if you want a full body mount, I said, I don't want a full body mount. All I want is a, is a muskox rug. And he yeah. goes, okay, then we'll do it. Because I guess the hardest part is right by the hoof in order if when, because most people get a full body mount. Well, mm. where in the heck am I going to put a full body muskox? <laughs> my wife already won't let me put my half mountain goat in, yeah. in the house, right? Just because we have so many things. So... Um, he let us. And so the next morning we ended up getting up and we, we were able to take some really amazing pictures with mm -hmm. that. So, but that was the culmination of, we probably stalked that animal for two or two hours or so. Yeah. I remember it was, we were moving, f like we were moving enough to where I took my jacket off because I was, I was hot. Yeah, that's a. Uh was a weird feeling because I did too and I remember sweating so much that like I take my half and run my fingers through my hair and it'd, it'd stand up and freeze it'd be like spikes right but I was so hot but right. everything like as soon as it as soon as I exposed it it just froze um I remember parts of my shirt kind of being stiff from the sweat but mm -hmm. it just being that cold out well and my I got frostbite on my left thumb because during that stock I took my gloves off because I can't shoot in gloves, mm -hmm. and um, and I had my thumb touching my metal release, and I think the cold that that was getting along with the regular, even though it was in my pocket, yeah, I ended up frost. I got frostbite on on the the fingerprint print portion of my thumb, my thumbprint where that would be. That ended up peeling off. It was like white for a while, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Your finger, mm -hmm. even after we came back. I couldn't feel anything with it. That's how I, I'm like, that's weird. I couldn't feel anything. And and then pretty soon, about two layers of skin just peeled off. Yeah. Um, I was worried about you on that trip, but you did better than I thought. <laughs> I've been with you in a tree stand, and it's not that cold, and you'd be shivering and shaking. And, yeah. But uh, there's enough movement. Like, when you started getting cold, we got out and did something. We go right. after a tarm again. Or, I, you know, and the funny thing is, I don't remember being that cold. I will say this, there is something to a good layering system. Oh, yeah. It made all the difference in the world because we had, you know, the underlayment, the the, the, the mid-layer, and then and then I, th I think we even had jackets and then the blizzard, the parka stuff over. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it made a big difference. No, we, we had every piece that we could put underneath on for sure. And yeah. I think and even the boots I had were great boots, and they just – uh, that was that first day and I, I, was, I know I didn't do enough with socks or not, I did too much or something um, but that's like that first night was the only night I really got cold and that was just because we had like an hour plus snowmobile drive right back yeah. remember they came Nuka came looking for us yeah they thought that yeah Cause, <laughs> cause, and we talked about it I mean how crazy would it be to break down you oh, break yeah. down out there you know you better know what you're doing to stay warm or you will die oh yeah yeah or have severe, severe frostbite, yeah. but it's a, yeah, they did, I forgot about that. He did come roaring up the canyon looking for us. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But no, and then that third day, we just got to have fun. We got to have fun. We all you, rode around in a bigger group, and everybody had already got their muskox. And that's when I shot that Arctic hare. Yep. And that's when Ashley shot the – talk about a guy that is a little bit of a hog. Remember that there was two Arctic foxes on that rock pile, mm-hmm. and that was the first – I think that was actually the first time I grabbed a rifle. And I said, I'm going to shoot that one. And I missed, and I I actually missed the shot, and it went back towards where he was at, and then boom. He ended up killing a white, pure gold – I mean, it was gorgeous yeah. white Arctic fox and a brown Arctic fox yeah. in the same spot. Yeah, that was cool. That was awesome. Yeah. And then we – I think some some guys. I never shot a ptarmigan. Not, I mean, it, they're cool, but I just yeah. didn't. But shooting that shooting that Arctic hare, I remember looking through the scope, not being able to find it because it's just white, mm-hmm. right? And I finally found the eyeball, and then that's when I'm like, okay, there it is. And so, but what if you were to if you were to sum up an adventure like that? I mean. How do you put that into words, Dustin? I don't know. It was, of course, I haven't left and traveled the world like some people have. Um, but it definitely felt like we were on a different planet. Just once you got there, the isolation. I mean, there wasn't, besides the three or four critters that we were going after, the species that we were going after, that's it. That was all that was out there. We didn't see anything else. We either saw a hare or fox or muskox. That's it. Maybe a bird, one. <laughs> but the isolation, the, the the just you feel so far away from anything. It's quiet. I just remember thinking, and I mean, we made the the first thing we did was we made a film out of it called "The Silence of the Arctic." Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking how quiet it was we were two three hundred yards from the snowmobiles and you could either hear our breathing Mm because if we were climbing a hill the crunch of our steps or you could hear the ticking of the snowmobile engine as it was cooling off Mm -hmm. that was it i mean there was no rustle of the wind through the and luckily we were there it wasn't windy it was beautiful clear skies except for that first day was a little cloudy Mm -hmm. but it was it wasn't like you even had that much ambient noise other than the noise we made. Yeah, there wasn't anything. It's, yeah, just, it, it was, it's hard to explain. Like, it kind of lost for words on when trying to explain what you're, what you're seeing there. You know, and that, and that country is just so still at that time of year. I'm sure during the fall and the spring and, you know, but. They do say that during that fall, early uh, late summer early fall that there's even a season where the there'll be flies and there'll be uh mosquitoes but it's a really short period yeah from like when i understand when things are thought out they they take boat around and then they will hike up and then get on another boat that's at another lake at a, at a higher level go across it and they go to another one and they kind of stair step their way up to camp um for us we just got to go straight up to it but yeah yeah you know, uh, we got the opportunity too, as as the hunt wound down, to go back into town and actually, Karsten took us over to kind of his little warehouse. And and as you we walked into it, I remember thinking, wow, this is interesting. He had stacks of muskox, 
which again yeah the hides uh yeah but remember he had the oh, meat yeah, yeah. he had the meat yeah. too and it wasn't like in a freezer it was just on the on the ground stacked up you yeah. know on pallets or something so that it was clean but it was so cold it didn't need to it was frozen yeah and um he explained to us that muskox you ate muskox they ate it a lot but it was spe something special like at a birthday party you yeah. would have muskox steaks i mean it, it was a, definitely something that the the native people that lived there it, it was such an essential part of their lifestyle and then to see him take and now he's got all these hides and he was showing us how he combs them out harvest har basically harvesting the wool so then you can turn around and make the wool into into yarn or, or muskox yeah you know yarn that you could then he had stacks of hides yeah what do you say is his retirement yep and stacks of hides in there oh. yeah it's i think in, right before we got there wasn't it the local hunting season yeah they, everybody I, I, just done all like their family mm -hmm. harvesting for the winter mm -hmm. and and stocking up basically they had their little hunting season right because the the, the native people mm -hmm. go and that's part of their that's what they do yep. you go out and get your muskox you know so it was it's kind of like a step back in time um and it was an adventure that uh, you know I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life and i hope to i hope to maybe go again i mean it's something that i think everybody should experience and the crazy thing was it wasn't that expensive um, you know, if you like, you talk about going on a muskox hunt in Alaska, for example, if or or uh, you know, the Arctic Circle, you know, in Canada or whatever. This was much more affordable, and and the country was much more rugged than I than I assumed. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's definitely one for the books. Definitely one that is worth its weight in gold. Something I'll tell my grandkids about for sure, for sure. Yeah, that would go back in a second. Yeah, yeah. And especially with the group of guys we were with. I mean, we had a great time. I was cried laughing nights. Oh yeah. We'd sit around that table eating massive amounts of food and having some drinks and and the the conversations and everything it's just a good group of guys i'd go back and hunt with that same group oh yeah in a heartbeat yeah they're yeah. you know it, and chris chris is a, is an amazing individual in the fact that he's built this business up and you know the type of people that he puts you in contact with the guides the outfitters stuff like that i mean he's tested them all and you know it's somebody you know you can trust and you know if someone if if you're listening and you're interested in some type of exotic or or it doesn't even have to. It could be elk or whatever. He he's got contacts all over. Um, you know, go to aoshunts.com. That's outdooradventurespecialist.com. Is Chris Mueller, and uh, and check him, check out his website. He's got tons of testimonies and stuff like that, and and go from there. I mean, I'm I've been excited because this is I've been I'm revisiting all of this because of now i we made the film it did really well but now i'm 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 telling the whole story in the tv show yeah unfortunately the film you just don't you never get the whole no because you only we only had 12 minutes i mean yeah. that was kind of the format that we built that film too and so when i was putting together some stuff uh for chris for some of his shows and this and that i got to be i, I got to relive it and i'm like you know, there's a lot more of this story that can be told. There's a, yeah, there's a lot there. We did a lot in the three days. We, we did. And, 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 and 
film, we talk about this before, the film and TV are different in the mm -hmm. way you tell it. You know, you understand with TV show you're going to have commercials. And with the film, sometimes that commercial doesn't bode good for building the suspense or building yeah. the whatever, that emotional response, that excitement. Well, it is what it is. So I'm going to try and put this in small enough chunks where you have a good bite size. Then you go to commercial, you can come back, you can get another feel of the adventure without losing the momentum is that's my goal anyway so that's why kind of why we i wanted to come back and have dustin come over and do this podcast because we weren't doing podcasts when we were no matter of fact i mentioned you know we should do a podcast and you looked at me like don't you even suggest it because <laughs> all you saw was how much more work it was oh, going to yeah. be for you yeah uh, it was <laughs> it's a lot more work especially for you now but yeah. that when was that i'm trying to think put a date on that that would have been 2017 yeah March 2017 yeah well I mean here's the here's the uh, I got the footage I'm working on it right now um, our dates on our yeah five uh, well that's not that's trying to look here what the footage is yeah it was Yep, it was March 17, 2017. Yeah, yep. I guess that, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, as I said before, if you're interested, get a hold of Chris and uh, oashunts.com. That's with oashunts.com. Um, I think he's on Instagram and uh, Facebook, stuff like that reach out to Chris great guy um, really knows what he's doing but for me at least it, it's definitely one of the pinnacles for adventure now I look at my Ibex hunt as one of the most difficult one of the most gratifying when I was successful mm -hmm. because of how difficult it was mm -hmm. the hunt itself this is not necessarily it's the most difficult it's not the most difficult hunt i've ever been on but by far it's the most awe-inspiring the it's def it's a destination driven yeah. type of adventure i don't when i think about it, i don't think about stocks and the hunting it's the advent it's the just the getting out and seeing something different that that adventure right. is yeah. what i remember the group of guys the country yeah the culture yeah Shout out to Ashley and Phil and Don and and uh, Karsten and Nuka and even though Nuka won't understand this because he doesn't understand English, but Nick uh, Nick speaks great English and ho Nick watches the show. I get messages from him on Facebook all the time and and of course Chris. Yep. So well, guys, thanks for for listening to our drone and on as we as we and this podcast really reminisce because of it's been so long. But I wanted to get Dustin in here and relive it together because we were it was just me and you it's one of the only hunts i think we've gone on other than maybe a whitetail hunt where it was literally just me and you for the whole week yep. and uh, um it was it was a lot of fun a lot oh, of yeah. fun well as always i want to encourage you find you the wild place that inspires you and go out embrace it um, love it live it god bless and we'll see you down the trail <laughs>